0: Every runner has a story. What about you? What's your story? Running isn't easy. We've all overcome struggles to get to where we are. Maybe you're struggling now. What is it that stands in your way of reaching your full potential as a runner? And are you willing to do what it takes to get there? If you're not sure, listen to this story about how this runner overcame an obstacle that seemed absolutely impossible. And remember, if they can do it, you can do it too. What are your running goals? Do you need help recovering from a running injury? Do you need help developing a training plan? Maybe you've never ran before and you just wanna get started. Let us help you reach that big goal of yours. Here at BodySmart, we help runners maximize their performance and stay on the road. To learn more, ask questions, or to set up your first free appointment, go to BodySmartUtah.com or call us at 801-479-4471. Hi, welcome to Running Unbroken. I'm Melody, we're here with Dr. Cameron McGarber, and today we're interviewing Jesse Wade so jesse is i say a pretty good friend he uh he actually the way we got in touch is first of all his wife was in my singles ward and then he started listening to um mine and my husband's podcast children 100 and we kind of started talking through that and jesse came and helped me and jacob on our 100 mile run last year and that was lots of fun and we really appreciated his support and he's been a client here at Body Smart, and we just finished a metabolic test with him, and he's improved tremendously since the last time he came in. So that's super exciting. So, anyways, we're really excited to have him here. Um, Jesse, how about we just start with what are you training for right now?
1: So I'm training to do Ironman Sacramento this October. Woohoo! And my my big goal is to qualify to go to Kona, Hawaii next year.
0: Heck yeah. So what are you doing to train for that right now?
1: So for anyone who doesn't know, an Ironman is a triathlon that consists of a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then a marathon, back to back, all straight, no breaks or anything. So it's 140.6 miles, and with, with three disciplines to train for, I have to train at least twice a week for each discipline. And so one of those consists of a long run, a long swim and a long bike ride. And then usually there's low intensity, longer duration rides, and then more focused like drill base. So mm-hmm. speed or tempo or whatever specific to the, to the discipline.
0: You know, it's one thing to train for a run, or a bike ride, or a swim, but to train for all three things, it just blows my mind. Yeah, that that's a so lot much. of training so and a lot of juggling between, you know, what what things to focus on and trying to get your low intensity and high intensity in every area. Like that is yeah. a lot to so juggle. Um, for, but you... for me,
1: the thing that's been the easiest to do mm-hmm. is there's three main metrics that you use to train with. There's heart rate. There's tempo or speed, you know, pace, and then there's power. Mm -hmm. And so I've picked one metric for each discipline. I use power when I'm cycling, which is Watts. Mm -hmm. And then I use pace when I'm swimming. So like pace per hundred meters. And then I use my heart rate when I'm running. And so there's there's obviously all, all of those things going on during each discipline, but that's the metric that I focus on Really dialing in while I'm doing those individual things. So when I'm when I'm cycling, I'm focused on maintaining a certain range for most of my rides to maintain that that good zone too. But then I make sure that when it's time I go all out and I'm really cranking it up to max effort, you know, going ten.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's it's made tremendous strides and I've gone from riding at 260, 280 watts, to now I can ride for an hour at 320, 340
0: watts. Dang, that's awesome. It It's really obvious that you've done your research and you're training with intention. You're not yeah. just going out and <clears throat> running and going out and riding like, you're actually, you're, I know I've said this a million times, but you're one of my favorite clients ever to work with because you always know your heart rate zones, you always know the numbers, and you always know why you're doing what you're doing. Where, uh, That's huge. It's huge. That takes a lot of time to, to learn all of that stuff. And a lot of people oh, are just so like, much. a lot of clients are like, just tell me what to do. You know, like, I don't care why I'm doing it. Just tell me what to do. But mm-hmm. you know the why to everything. And yeah. it's it's awesome. So
2: Super important to know, like, not just like what to do, but why you're doing it. Cause I think that yeah. helps your buy-in and everything, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Jesse, I'm really, well, we're really interested in um, your your backstory of, uh, we know that you've had a stroke. We're mm-hmm. wondering if you would tell us kind of that story and how that's affected your training and, and how training has been put into that story.
1: So a week after I turned 23, which this year will be 10 years ago. Awesome. I was attacked. I was stabbed three times and had my throat cut. I was very lucky to live. I was stabbed in my lung, my liver, my shoulder, and then had my carotid artery and jugular severed.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: I suffered massive blood loss, obviously, and because of all the blood loss, my body went under shock. And I had a blood clot in my brain, which is the the medical term is subdermal hematoma. It just sounds weird. But anyway, so that's, <laughs> that's what the stroke was. And mm-hmm. I went from being a power lifter. I was benching 330, squatting 555, Ooh. and deadlifting
0: 505.
1: Man. And that was... I I was a heavy duty lifter I that was what I wanted to do and after the stroke I spent a month in a coma Hmm. the next month in serious like in inpatient rehabilitation learning how to walk and talk and it's after having a stroke you basically go through the first 20 years of your life Or, you know, like you go through your entire childhood again.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a really interesting way of describing that.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you think about, you know, you you spend, you know, your whole childhood learning to walk and talk and write and, you know, do do all of the basic living functions. And I, I was left handed (laughs) and the blood that my, my stroke was in the right side of my brain. So the left side of my body, when I woke up out of the coma, it wasn't there. There was there was time where somebody would be sitting on my left side, mm-hmm. and I would be like, "Where where'd they go?" And he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm right here." Really? Oh, because my my brain for for anyone who doesn't know when you when you have a stroke, it just deletes all of the information that that side of your body processes. Yeah. Wow. And so. The first year after a stroke is the most critical because that's when you have the greatest ability to recover the most amount of function. So your brain has connections to everything you do
0: mm-hmm.
1: to your body, touch, feel, sound, everything. And so you have to touch things and feel things and smell things and and you have to experience that with the affected side. Mm-hmm. And you have to force yourself to do it because your mm. brain says that's not there. Mm. I, I didn't have a left side. And so it was it it still is a struggle. But mm. that first those first six months, that first year was really hard because I went from being a super physical, independent person to being a child. Wow. I, when when I had the stroke, they had to remove part of my skull. Because my brain was swollen, mm-hmm. and to keep me from having serious brain damage, they obviously need to allow my brain to safely do that. Wow! So I had to wear this nifty little helmet anytime I was standing <laughs> up because there's nothing protecting my brain. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it's kind of it's kind of scary, but I mean, it was it was what I did. If I stood mm-hmm. up, I had to put on my helmet, mm-hmm. and. That was for six months. After six months my brain mm-hmm. had normalized, the fluids had, you know, adjusted properly and I had gained enough of my mobility and my stability that they could safely put it back and I could resume my life somewhat.
2: Yeah. it's a fight. Wow. Did they, do you know, did they take the craniotomy, did they re implant it into your abdominal wall? Is that where they put it? Yeah. Yeah. and that it's fascinating, but that's so I actually wow. just part of my background. I was the stroke, the outpatient stroke team lead at the University of Utah for a few years. So I worked with a lot of, okay. of folks that had had strokes and really interesting okay. stuff. Where did you Where did you go, uh, inpatient and outpatient? So
1: I this actually happened in Missouri, in Springfield, Missouri. Missouri. Okay. So that's where it all happened. That's where it was. Oh, okay. And I didn't move here to Utah until 2013. Okay. Good
0: okay wow
2: yeah that it's such a battle those first few months especially when um you have just all kinds of interesting symptoms that you can't imagine like like you said the left side of your body Mm -hmm. can disappear like you can't see things over Mm -hmm. there you can't and so even just recognizing who's in the room takes extra effort and extra um you know thought to it more intention to it Mm -hmm. And that's exhausting. Um, How was that recovering, it sounds like, from knife wounds as well as the stroke? Did that, were there lingering effects from that as well?
1: Ironically enough, no. Really? Wow. I, by the time I came out of the coma, physically, I was fine. Hmm. Obviously, I had scars and stitches and stuff like that. But (laughs) physically, there was nothing wrong with me. No
0: major wow. lung function issues from nope. the lung wound. Wow! Oh my goodness! I mean, That's amazing. I mean,
1: to think that I had a punctured lung, a ruptured liver, yeah. a severed carotid artery and a jugular, and oh physically gosh. I was a hundred percent fine. Hmm. It, I mean, it was it was a miracle. I was, I was very blessed. I mean, I would never want anyone to go through what I went through. Sure. But yeah. In, in hindsight, I mean, what I went through, I was lucky to be alive. Much less physically capable of doing anything right yeah right
0: wow and look at what you're doing now that's crazy
2: so how did that how did you make that bridge from being i'm sure you went through kind of all the stages of like my life is over and you know all those things when did you realize that your life wasn't over and you still could do things when how did that journey happen
1: i've always been a fighter i've always been somebody who won't give up who won't accept no mm-hmm. and there was three days i came out of the coma and i i didn't know what happened yeah i was i was out one night i got off work i went to a gas station and i woke up in the hospital
0: mm-hmm. wow and so I was, that's all you was, remember
1: huh? i was in a bed and i couldn't move and i was tired and there was tubes and I was scared yeah and a doctor comes in the room and he's like yeah so you had a stroke and we're we're going to do what we can but you know you're you're not going to be able to do things anymore you're you're handicapped now and that was hard to hear and you know for for somebody who my, my my job was very physical i was you know obviously i was a power lifter i was always using my hands that's that's what i did i was i moved i i lifted i picked up i mean i i love to be physical i was i played football and wrestling in high school i and to hear someone walk into a room and say well you're you're handicapped now hmm. i felt like my life was over
2: yeah wow. and
1: for three days i i really struggled you know i'm i was in and out of it i was still coming off of all of the pain medication Mm -hmm. yeah and so i slept a lot but when i would come Mm -hmm. to it was like there was friends and family around me and they were you know like we we love you we support you we know you're going to get through this and Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that made a big difference but Mm -hmm. it was it was hard but the biggest the biggest turning point for me was two weeks later Mm
0: -hmm.
1: they had moved me down to the rehabilitation unit and there was a, a 17 year old girl who was on her way to her high school prom, mm-hmm. who was a dancer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she was in a pickup truck with her dad and her boyfriend. And she was t-boned by a drunk driver.
0: Mm.
1: Her boyfriend and her dad were killed Ugh. and she was paralyzed from the waist down.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: She was never going to walk again. And here I am physically perfectly fine. Obviously mm-hmm. there was, there was things that I had to recover from, you know, my left side paralysis. And
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it was hard, but here I am looking at this girl and she was in her wheelchair scooting around. Just so she, she's, she told everyone she was so blessed to be alive Wow! because she should have died is what she says. Mm. And wow, hearing her talk changed my life.
0: Mm.
1: I can't remember her name. I don't know who she is. I wish I could, so I could thank her. But she changed my life because having, having this girl who was a dancer, that was her life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Never going to be able to walk again. Walking or, you know, you know scooting around in a wheelchair saying, she's just so happy to be alive. I'm so lucky to be alive. What do I have to complain about? I mean, yeah, my life is going to be difficult. I'm going to have hard times, but I can walk. I can talk, I can, I can function as a human being. I can do all the things that I want to do by myself. She can't walk. I mean, that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And wow. so that was really the the biggest turning point in my recovery. Mm-hmm. Because from that point on, I refused to complain about my situation. Because if this girl who lived to dance was just happy to be alive because other people that she was with didn't make it, then I refused to be a victim of what happened to me. Wow. I love it. That's That's, amazing. That is amazing. That's an
0: awesome uh, mindset shift. And I think just like how um, her optimism and and her attitude affected you, I think your attitude and, and your story can help of a lot of other people, Yeah. a lot of people too.
2: It, that's a hard thing to get past. So being a victim of a violent crime, mm-hmm. but not continuing to be a victim every day of your life, right? right. Not letting them win every single day. That's, that's a hard thing to get past mentally. Cause it's easy to, in some ways it would be easier just to fold and be like, well, my life is over. I, I can't do these things cause I'm now broken and that that is amazing that you have you know you have shown that you're not broken and that you can do all those things you know that you can do you can run triathlons <laughs> like that's incredible
0: yeah
2: so uh, i like i said when i worked um, at the university i i helped several people uh, work through some of those things and and try to get back to like the full active lifestyle i would always tell people like You might have to do it a little bit differently Mm -hmm. but you can still do anything you want to do right and so helping uh, you know a teenage gal that that wanted to run again so that she could keep up with her friends she really wanted to be able to walk fast enough to keep up with her friends and so i was like well let's run like and and so we started running and she sent me a, a text like six months later she's like i just ran five miles at a i can't remember the pace anymore but it was not flying fast, but it was, it was good.
0: Yeah. And I was that's like, awesome.
2: that's awesome. And the fact that she kept that up and, and things that, that was so exciting to me to see that she was away to college. She moved away from home and that she didn't let that keep her down. And, and so how, how did you do that? How did you decide like, okay, I'm going to pr- start pursuing these athletic pursuits, not just, not just getting back to normal, but like, I want to, On to do stuff
1: well like like i said that was that was the big turning point from from victim to i guess victor Mm -hmm. would be the opposite and so and so from that point because obviously my life was different there was things that had to change i had to re-figure out what i wanted Mm -hmm. and to this day the the only real limitation that I have I don't have fine motor skills in my left hand so I have gross movement I can pick up things I have grip but I just don't have individual finger movement Mm -hmm. and I think that's been the hardest thing for me I used to be Mm left-handed and so having to relearn to write with my right hand that would be so hard. hard yeah but but for me it was like having to rediscover who I was and what I wanted and You know, obviously, going from powerlifting, I like to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. I like to do those things. But I was, at the time, I was 260 pounds, and I was very built. I was very muscular. And when you lie in a bed for two months and don't do anything, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of atrophy. Mm -hmm. So I had lost 70 pounds, and I had no strength. Obviously for the first six months, like I said, my skull was out. My, my lifting limit was 10 pounds mm-hmm. because you can't put any more pressure not that on your brain mm-hmm. or it could cause damage. And so for six months, I didn't do anything. I just slept and breathed, breathed and eat and hung out. Mm-hmm. And so I went from being 260 pounds of lean, mean machine to 260 pounds of flab and so i came out of that that recovery room with my skull back in and a ticket to life because now i could do things now i could function and it was just a matter of figuring out what what brought me joy and so i did a lot of things i tried a lot of things and i found that running was one of the things that i enjoyed Wow. I could, I could run because I had my legs, I had, like I said, I was physically perfectly capable of doing things. <laughs> and so I started finding things that I could do. Shortly after I moved here to Utah, I, I got a job and uh, a few of my coworkers introduced me to Spartan races.
0: Oh uh, awesome. yeah. <laughs>
1: there's there's one here in Utah that that's every year, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna do the Spartan race next, you know coming up in the summer. You want to do it? Sure. <laughs> I, I like trying things. And so for people who don't know, Spartan race is a, an endurance obstacle course. It's modeled after like special forces training, so over walls, under barbed wire, and.
0: Basically, like everything that. awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the depend, like, for Depending on who, who you are, it's either everything awesome or everything awful. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. It's all awesome. Like you're you're going right. to pay
1: somebody to make me run through mud and crawl under barbed wire and torture myself for a few hours up the side of a mountain. I loved it. Heck and so yeah. that was where my real journey back into fitness started. To get really really heavy i had i had friends who were interested in it and so i i just really delved into it i dove dove hard there's there's three basic spartan race sizes of courses there's Mm -hmm. a sprint which is like a 5k when it has 20 obstacles there's a super which is a 10k or like six six miles that has 28 obstacles and then there's a beast that's, that's, crazy. <laughs> that's like 15 miles and then has 36 obstacles.
0: Don't they have like an ultra Spartan yeah, now so,
1: too? So I didn't know this my first year doing it, but it turns out they also have an ultra, which is two beasts back to back.
0: So a marathon with obstacles. Yeah, and so Jeez.
1: my first year, I found out about this Utah race and so I tried it and I I did it and it was hard like I wasn't ready (laughs) like I said I I was 260 pounds I was out of shape
2: did you wind up doing a lot of burpees (laughs) oh yeah so
1: (laughs) so if you if you can't complete an obstacle or you or you fail an obstacle you do 30 burpees that's the challenge that's how you keep going and so my first race, I did 320 burpees. Oh my it was awful. <laughs> so not only so did, you sign up for another one. <laughs> absolutely. As, as, soon, as soon as I finished, I, I went. I went for the next one. Nice. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so my first race, like I said, it was 320 burpees. And my goal was to just complete the race. Mm-hmm. I was so in love with with the atmosphere, the people. You know, you're you're doing this with everyone from 70 year old grandmas and grandpas to elite runners and, you know, military people who just run through this run through these courses like it's like it's just, you know, a stroll through the woods. <laughs> and and it's it's just great because, you know, I'll I'll be struggling up to get over a wall and somebody will be like here, let me get you a boost and they'll, they'll help you over a wall or you'll be you'll be trying to do the. Do the sandbag carry, and someone's like, "Here, here! I'll grab that for you." Or, "You, awesome. you got this, man! You got this! You can do this." Oh. And never, never has there anybody been in any race that I've ever done been like this guy. He's never gonna make it. Yeah. It's never like that. It's always like, "We got this. Let's do this. You got I this. You can do it." And it's just, you know, it's always positive. It's always go, 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 go. You can do it. Mm. I love and, that and it just it motivates you to do more to be your best. And so that first year I wanted to do one race. I ended up doing a trifecta, which is one of each race in the same year. And, uh, awesome.
2: That's awesome. Uh, don't you love that about the race environment in general? So yeah. many other places and people in your life will tell you that you can't or you shouldn't or you. You probably had physicians and oh, yeah. friends and family members tell you you can't or you shouldn't or you. Like, "Oh, you're going to get hurt or" Or whatever but man on race day when you're out there like everybody's telling you that you can and that like come on let's do this you know like i love that about race day is that the the all of a sudden it's that you can do it and not that you can't do it.
0: and everybody believes in you right right, it's amazing
2: i love it
1: i remember the first time i went on a hundred mile ride it was a group ride with like (laughs) 30 people in a club and we we get out there to do it and then it's like, hey, I'm just gonna go for a hundred mile ride with thirty of my closest friends. <laughs> and like of course of course by the time awesome. you're eighty miles in, everyone's like, I hate my life. <laughs> I can't wait for this to be over. But it's like, you know, you you get done, you're like, I can't wait to do that again.
0: Yeah. It's true. And well, I, and, and,
1: and like you said, I, I love that about racing. I love that about the yeah. the culture and the environment is that it's it's a yes environment. Yeah. So so many okay. places in your life you're gonna be told you can't, you won't, you shouldn't people are going to try and hold you back or try and limit you. But in, in the racing culture, in any racing culture, whether it's triathlon or running or, mm-hmm. or gymnastics or whatever, whatever it is that you want to do, everyone is just so supportive that you can, you will let's do it. We got this.
2: I love that. Yeah. That should be a meme. Like racing is a yes environment.
0: Yeah. Or a t-shirt or That golf. should be oh.
2: <laughs> Maybe that's our new body smart t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> This is a yes environment. I love it that. It is, yeah.
0: I well, I was also going to say there's something about like going through something hard like that with other people that just, you bond with them, right? right. When everyone's like, oh, I hate my life. Like you all hate your life together and then you're closer.
1: <laughs> that's that's another, that's another funny thing. So <laughs> so I don't drink, but one of one of the perks of doing a Spartan Race is they mm-hmm. get, when, when you get your starter packet, mm-hmm. you get a wristband for a free beer when you finish. <laughs> And so, like, everyone starts the race, like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Let's go. Let's do this. And, and especially the longer races, like the sprint, the, the supers and the beasts. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to, like, mile 10, everyone's like, one more mile till we get a beer. <laughs> oh, how many more obstacles to my beer? <laughs> and, it's, and it's just funny, like, you, you like you said, you, you get to see, like, the, the separation of, of who, who is, you know, like, who really wants to be their best and who's just there to do it. Like who's some people- just there for beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like, and, and, but, but never is it ever like, like you can't make it or, you know, anything like that. It's always, you know, like I said, it's a yes environment, but it's just, it's funny to see the motivation that different people have. And for me, it was just, that was what really inspired me to push myself because it was hard. Like I said, I did 300 burpees my first race and keep in mind this was this was the middle race, it was a super. So not even the hardest race. And I did a lot of burpees. It was, <laughs> it, was burpee. it was it was like a six hour race for no reason, just because so not only not only do you have to run ten miles, but then you have to do three hundred burpees while you're running ten miles Jeez. up side of a mountain. Yeah.
0: So at this point are you like <coughs> you totally hate burpees or have you done so many of them that you're like, oh I can do burpees? So or maybe it depends on the day. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. On, on race day. It's like, if I have to do another burp again, I'm probably going to kill myself. <laughs> I'd rather die but, then, but then, like than I said, you, you, you get to the finish line, you're like, yeah, I can't wait to do this again. This, this was great.
2: Yeah, well, you start so, yeah, strategizing for the next yeah, one. Right? Exactly. That, it's crazy how you go through it and then you're like, well, the next one I'm going to do this differently and this differently. Cause I think if I do that, it'll be better. Right, right. And you're cussing it out the whole time, and then <laughs> cross the finish line. Next time, I'm gonna do it this way. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah,
0: it basically, is how can I make it a little less painful yeah. next uh, time? How
2: right? can it suck less? Yeah, how, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's always gonna suck, right? But how right. can exactly. we make it suck less? Well, and then we push
2: ourselves harder, and it sucks the same way. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like they say,
1: it, it never gets easier. You just get stronger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Exactly. yeah that's true. And so, the,
1: other, the other funny thing is that they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah. That's like literally a race.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you still have hard days, right? Days when you don't want to go to the gym, days when you're just struggling. Uh, what do you do when you find yourself in those ruts or when you find yourself struggling?
1: You just, you just dial back to the why for for me like i I remember that sixteen year old girl, and she was just so blessed to be alive and why have I put all this effort in why have I worked so hard when I didn't have to? I could have laid down and been a victim and had an easy life. people would have taken care of me, and nobody would have even felt bad because you know I was a victim. Mm-hmm. I deserved to be taken care of, but mm-hmm. for me, it was like. Why have I fought this hard? Why have I done all these things? Why have I put in hours and hours and hours in gym? Why have I put hours and hours and hours of research, figuring out how to do it and what to do and the right ways to do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when, when you think about it, actually think about it, it's like a no brainer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's and, awesome. And when it, when it comes to like working out in fitness and stuff, you only hate it for the first five minutes, you know, you, you drag yourself out of bed at six in the morning to go to the gym and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. And you get there and you're like, all right, it's not so bad. Yeah. And then, and then comes the best part when you leave at seven thirty in the morning and you're like, I, you already feel like you've, you've conquered the day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. My wife and I, like, I don't remember ever regretting a workout, but there's a lot of days where I regret not working out. Right. Right it's it it's just one of those things like once you get going then you you're fine it's just getting started it's the hard part but once you get going like you wind up enjoying it or mm-hmm. you get into the groove and it's great but yeah you never regret it afterward
0: yeah I like that the first the first five minutes are hard but then mm-hmm. after that then you you kind of get into the groove. So if you just tell yourself, I'm just going to work out for five minutes, that seems easy, right? right.
1: Anybody can do five minutes.
2: Yeah. Well, I always tell myself, like I always give myself the out to like, just make it an easy day then, like just kind of go through the motions today and that's fine. Oh, yeah. And usually yeah. you get five or ten minutes into it and it's like, all right, here we go. Yeah. I'm ready. Like, I'm warmed up now. Let's let's roll.
0: Or sometimes you do just take an easy day yeah, and you probably perfect. just needed an easy I, day. Yeah. And
2: that's okay, too. That's yeah. okay, too. And, and sometimes you do have that where it's like, oh, well, apparently I was only running for 20 minutes today because that's all I had and <laughs> Yeah. whatever. And so you switch it up and do something else or, or call it even, and that's fine. But you still got the consistency of that in that's for right. your lifestyle and for your mental health and clarity and all those good things, right?
0: Yeah. So I'm curious, I just kinda want a list of everything you've done. Um so I know that you've done lots of Spartan races, you've done yeah. you've done some half Ironmans, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what like just what is a list of everything you've done? I just wanna so, know.
1: My first my first Spartan was a super. I've done let me see. Three nine Team. So I've done about thirty Spartan races now.
0: Whew, that's and awesome!
1: My my goal every year is to at least get a trifecta, one of each race. Awesome! And are
0: you doing that this year too? With not, training not for this year, okay. Not
1: this year, i because I didn't plan many races just because I wasn't sure with the whole COVID thing. Yeah. How many races were going to get canceled? Mm-hmm. And so last year was pretty disappointing. Oh, was, huh? yeah. And and, it, and it's re- it really sucks. So so my first Ironman was supposed to be last May. It was supposed to be the Saint George Ironman, mm. and I was I was totally like dialed in. It was going to be in May. It was going to be awesome, and COVID and everything was wiped out. Man, and gym shut down and everything shut down, and so like my training went off the wall, and it was it was hard, you know. Yeah, yeah. As, as as most athletes athletes know, like when you get into that rhythm and you're doing great and you know what you're doing, and then it's just like you throw a wrench in it and you can't do things. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially especially if you're not used to doing most of your workouts outdoors,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you use a gym or you use equipment to do a lot of your workouts, mm-hmm. it's hard to adjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Do you, do you do most of your workouts in a gym just because of convenience and safety or what what makes you utilize that?
1: Well, for for like weightlifting and stuff, I don't have the equipment at home sure. to, to do that mm-hmm. but as far as as far as doing the training like I don't have a pool and so yep. going going to the gym to, to swim is obviously where I do it yeah
0: mm-hmm. for sure
1: and for, for running depending on the time of year depends on whether I'm at the gym or not yeah that makes sense during yeah. during spring and summer and like early fall obviously like I want to be outside I want to be in the mountains I want to be outside running because that's what I want but yeah when it's 13 degrees outside and it's snowing, I'm running on a treadmill at the gym. It's cozy, it's, well, it's warm, and I yeah. can still get my workout in and I can run. Yeah. yeah not to mention, not to mention, I don't have to worry about breaking my ankle on right. a treadmill compared to, you know, trying to tread down the snow on the street. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah very
1: true. And as far as like, because I'm doing a triathlon, same thing goes with biking. During the spring and summer, obviously, I want to do a lot of my rides outside. It feels great to be outside, you know, coasting through the wind and stuff like that. But weather permitting, you know, you can't you can go for a hundred mile bike ride in pouring rain or in the snow, mm-hmm. but it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I've done I've done long rides in the rain, and it's it's awful. Yeah, it is awful. Yeah. So cold.
0: And yeah. and it's just
1: like you just you're miserable. Like you you know I I enjoy cycling. I enjoy I enjoy the I enjoy working out. But mm-hmm. it's like when you do those workouts, you're like I'm doing this because I said I was going to do it, and you just suffer through it. It's like you literally suffer, and yes. it's and yeah. it's a mental setback as much as a physical setback. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. You need because, to decide. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I
1: was just gonna say because when you get done, like you don't want to do it again at that moment. Yeah, yeah, you're like that was it. I did it, so I'm I'm done for the week. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, if, if you just, if you just take it and you, you know, put your cycle shorts on and you go to the gym and you, you know, do a class or put your headphones in and just cycle it out hard for an hour or two and you don't suffer in the, in the elements, you leave feeling in much better. Yeah. Yeah. Now with that said, there is a lot to be said about the mental toughness aspect of yeah. doing those hard races, you know, doing those hard workouts and the elements. I... I do I do a lot of heat training which is the uh the poor man's mountain training.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's basically what I was going to say is like you need to know like when it's appropriate to suffer through it because there is it yeah. is important to like exercise your mental toughness, but there are lots of times where suffering is unnecessary. Why right. suffer if you don't need right. to? So
2: Yeah, planned suffering is okay. Unplanned suffering, you probably should back off a little bit. Yeah. Don't hurt yourself. Yeah. So I got a question. So with the, like, post-stroke, what were some of the early adaptations that you had to make to be able to, like, participate fully in everything? And then now, do you still have to make some of those same adaptations? Or or are you able to do things... You know fairly quote-unquote normally
1: so i can i can do pretty much i've i've found and over the 10 years that i've been doing this that anything that i want to do i can do i have to modify the way i do it mm-hmm. because i don't have defined motor function in my left hand yeah and so like i i can do anything it's just grip things is the is the big thing that i have a hard time with because you you don't have that your fingertip function you don't have that individual finger function yeah Mm -hmm. and so that's
2: gear shifting or things like that
1: that's the main the main focus that's the main reason that i've i've transitioned sort of more into triathlon away Mm -hmm. from afraid from obstacles and stuff like that Mm -hmm. is because i enjoy smart races i i will i probably continue to do them Mm -hmm. indefinitely but I won't ever be able to compete at a high level in obstacle courses because of that. That is mm. a limitation that I have, and that's not something that I can overcome.
0: Mm.
1: When it comes to triathlon, it's you and your body and the, the three disciplines. Mm. I have a really strong heart, I have really strong lungs. I have really strong legs. So if I train hard, I can be a world-class, world-class athlete in those disciplines. Awesome. And there's nothing that I have that's limiting me.
0: Cool. And I love so that. When,
1: I, when I did my first triathlon, I realized that, and it just really set a fire in me, and that's the reason that I am doing what I'm doing with, with the Ironman, and I wanna qualify for Kona. Cool.
0: That's so cool. Kona's an
2: amazing experience. That's cool.
0: I would, yeah, it would be so cool to to watch the Kona Ironman, yeah, it'd be cool. so cool to be in the be, Kona Ironman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really, really awesome. Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. The other, the other thing that that really inspired me to do Ironman is that with with Ironman, it's all one race. It's not the pros and the other guys. Everybody is on the same course at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. The pros yeah. set off 30 minutes before everyone else, the cannonball goes off and they're in the water 30 minutes before everyone else. But 30 minutes later, all the other Joe Schmoes and you know, hardcore athletes are out there with them. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's the high probability that you're gonna rub shoulders with you know, somebody you've seen on TV that you have, have admired most your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, that's a really cool thing with most with most races it's separate it's segregated you have you have certain times of the day that the pros run or that you know that the of the athletes run and then the other guys are over there right but with ironman it's like you're you're neck and neck with you're 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 rubbing rubbing neck to each other and it's 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 a cool experience to to know that you're you're with world class athletes Yeah. And that was the reason that I really wanted to go to Kona because it's the world championship. Right. It's 2,600 of the most elite athletes in the world. Man. And I don't, I have no inspiration currently to compete at the highest level in Kona. Mm -hmm. But just going there, knowing that I am one of the top 2,600 Ironmans in the world. Heck yeah. That's really cool.
0: That's That's way cool. That's way cool. And I have zero doubt you'll get there, especially with the kind of training you're doing. That's awesome. Is there a particular world-class athlete that you would like to run into or someone that inspires you that would not, be there?
1: Not specifically. okay. i I, I followed um, Lionel Sanders a lot and it'd be cool to, to like meet him and um yen for Dano is, is another cool one but it's like just just knowing that that i'm in the same i'm in the same bracket as them like obviously they're going to be miles ahead of me on the bike and by the time i get done with the bike they're going to be done with the run
0: <laughs>
1: just knowing that i was there with them it's cool
0: yeah yeah, yeah. no that is really cool one more thing that I just got to throw in here because I'm really excited and it's so fun. Um, Jesse just had his first kid nine weeks ago. So on top of training, what, 20 hours a week yeah. and working, taking care of a new old baby. So that's exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. very, yeah. very happy to be a dad now. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, is there anything else that actually backing up, what advice would you give to somebody um, who has maybe some kind of limitation? There's an obstacle in their way. What advice would you give them um, for getting over that obstacle and, and to continue to train and reach big goals? Find your why. I love it. If,
1: if you have a why, then you'll never, you'll never have a bad training day. You'll never have a day that you just give up because you might you might have a bad day, but when you get home, you're gonna. You know what? This is why I'm doing it. This is why I've spent all of these days trying. This is the reason I've struggled through all these things. This is the reason I've had so many hard times. I'm stronger now. I'm better now. And it's so, it's so empowering to look back at what where I was and where I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, remembering those hard days, those those dark days where I just didn't want to get out of bed, where I didn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have those days anymore. I'm excited for life.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Is there anything else that you want to add before we close out here?
1: Keep training. <laughs> awesome.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much for letting us interview you. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, it, your story blessed my life today. So thank you for that. And it's, I think it's going to bless the lives of, of lots of people. And I sure already has blessed the lives of a lot of people. So thanks for being an inspiration and, and for coming in here today. We appreciate it a lot.
1: Appreciate you having me.
0: Absolutely. So if people wanted to follow your training, where can they follow you at? Are you very active on social media? I'm,
1: I'm really not. I probably should be. <laughs> I, I have a Facebook, I have an Instagram, and I, I should get more active on it. Yeah. <laughs> being, being a dad and working and training.
0: You don't really have time it, for that. It, it, takes, it takes all my time. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: and like sure. I, I do a lot of research about, you know, proper diet and ways to train and things to increase my, my different aspects of training and stuff. And so mm-hmm. that's where a lot of my extra time goes. Yeah. And so I haven't really done a lot of the social media stuff. Okay. <laughs> if anyone wants to know anything else about me, like I said, I do have a Facebook, I do have Instagram, just feel free to DM me or, you know, message me on Facebook or anything. I'm active enough that I know and I, I will respond. I just, I'm Don't not super, not super social. Savvy. <laughs> You're
2: not posting about what you have for breakfast. No, I'm I'm not
1: posting my dinners and <laughs> I went for a three mile run today. I'm not I'm not like, you know, posting my my hourly updates. I'm just it's just not it's not my thing. Okay. Yeah, agreed, it's
2: not mine either. Too too much. Too it does much take,
0: take a lot of time, yeah. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. well, thanks again, Jesse. Don't forget to like, comment. Uh, Share this podcast with someone that you feel like could learn from Jesse's story. And stick around for the next podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Running Unbroken. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And reach out if you or someone you know has a story to share.
1: Now I'm like really like, whoa, whoa, dude. Like I don't want any part of that. Whoa. (laughs) And he comes up and he stabs me in my stomach, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm backing up, and I'm like I turn, and that's when he gets me in the gets me in my in my lung, yeah. and so then then I'm like I'm I'm losing blood and I'm scared and stuff, and so I I I turn around and I I turn away from him,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he takes the broken beer bottle in his other hand and he stabs it into my shoulder, so that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. And and then he reaches around and tries to kill me. I'm assuming that's why he would go for someone's throat. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily the gas station attendant saw what was going on and called nine one one. And about the time that happened, she came out and she was yelling and putting and stuff and so he left. Mm-hmm. He took my wallet. It wasn't there was just cards in it. Nothing happened. But
0: Wow. Did they ever find the guy?
1: They they assumed it was Druggy, just some out there.
0: Just totally you know, high and just.
1: Just some random. Monkey. Wow. Yeah.
0: Was it? What was it like watching that video? Like none of it came back to you. Well, or well was like it?
1: I, I remember it now. Oh. But. Oh okay. But like when when I first came out of the coma, like I had no idea what was going on, and oh. and like it was it was surreal, like, and I I I hadn't even seen that until I got home, because so that was two oh. months later. Yeah and that's like scary. the police are telling me like well if you want you can try and find him and pursue a civil suit against him and it's like what what am I going to get out of pursuing some druggie
2: right yeah it's like that's only going to hurt me right and that's, like, that's going to keep drudging it up and, right uh, yeah I, I feel like it just keeps people in this I'm a victim mentality and that they're broken mentality um yeah I think that the sooner you can move on and And not dwell on that, the better.
0: Yeah. Mm. Man, that's crazy. That scares me. You know, one time, long story short, I slept at a gas station in my car one time. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, that probably was really dangerous. That probably was really dangerous. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. You just never know what's going to happen. And what's
1: what's really ironic about about the story is I, I grew up in Las Vegas. Yeah. Las Vegas isn't a real friendly place to be. Hmm. Never had any problems. I grew up in a bad side of town. I grew up like pretty downtown yeah like old downtown the strip but yeah just a lot of drugs and bad stuff going on and that's where I grew up. And then I moved to Missouri it was Springfield Missouri a little college town kind of yeah. like kind of like spring kind of kind of like you know here in Salt Lake mm-hmm. and it's just a random act of violence to a random person in the middle of the night right that's fairly safe town so fairly yeah I mean crazy and the, the, the thing the thing that most stood out to me is that when I first moved to Springfield I remember like my second day there I was I was listening, I was listening to the news and they are talking about gang activity yeah and and there was multiple shootings while I was going to school so that was gang activity right oh, and man. so I was interested I looked into it. there were some kids tagging on church buildings yeah that was gang activity. Yeah, in my new home.
0: <laughs> Dang.
1: So oh, here in Utah. No, no. Or oh, in misery. So, so, yeah. so you're
2: like, oh, compared to Vegas. Yeah, I was like, really
1: was really no. kid, kids <laughs> tagging like that was that was just like what we did after school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. So do you? I know it's been a while, but I obviously something like that's super traumatic. Do you find yourself like? Are you scared of gas stations? No. Are you like scared of like? Being alone at night, you like
1: know, it's like Cameron said, it's like I've put it behind me. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've overcome it. Yeah, it's yeah. no, it's no longer something that limits me. Yeah. it's something that empowers me. Yeah, you're not awesome. reliving that
2: moment no. all the time. And, so. and,
1: and the thing is, is like you can't, because you you have two options. You can either spend the rest of your life being a victim. Yeah, or you can be like, I'm I'm here. Yeah,
0: right. I am, and I president. I really I
1: really truly do, like, live that. That motto that you know she she gave me that you know I'm blessed to be alive.
0: That's awesome. I mean,
1: so many people die of such simple things, and I overcame and lived through something horribly traumatic. Yeah. yeah. Like you know people people go to sleep and don't wake up for no reason, and yeah. I went through something that could have killed me very easily. Yeah, Any of those did. wounds, a lung wound, a, a, a stomach wound, you know, my my throat. Man. could have killed me yeah, in a matter of seconds have could yeah. have, should have, would have you know yeah. and so it's like why 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 think about all of the could have, would have when I'm, I'm I'm here doing great things yeah I have a family you know I have, I have a son now it's like I'm just so happy to be alive
0: that's awesome oh, that's cool man that's awesome just thank you again for sharing that uh, that's awesome
1: <laughs> the, the funniest thing nowadays is that most people don't even know that I've had a stroke because I don't I don't mention it to people I don't mention it like some most people notice there's something off
0: they just
2: really can't place it because like I do everything that everyone else does right right so I because I worked in the stroke environment for so long the first time or one of the first times you were working with Melody I I was like
0: yeah, I think you mentioned that. So it's that the way me, you yeah. hold your left hand,
2: yeah. right? And and so I just recognize the yeah. tone in your hand and whatever. But but honestly, if you're not a therapist,
0: that, like yeah, with it, that kind of background, you never know. Yeah. yeah,
2: honestly, I I was actually way impressed with how you were moving. I was like, dang, I can't believe that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's pretty
2: wild. Um, oh, most got, most stroke sort of folks, I like, have help several be able to run again and mm-hmm. things like that.